30 in the land that time forgot. Hello, this is Natasha. And I'm back with a story about Prince Bertie, who is of course now a human prince again. Throughout the long years that Bertie was a frog, he had missed out on so many things, like the Angry Insects game and the 3D vampire movies. In fact, back in the time when the Wicked Queen made him green and amphibious, iPads had not even been invented yet. Wow, it's hard to imagine that world, isn't it? As soon as he became a human prince, he made up for lost time. He quickly got to level 300 in Droid Rush, and his island on Digcraft was the most spectacular you ever saw. Almost everyone was impressed by Bertie's rapid progress at gaming, but not Beatrice. She thought that Bertie spent far too much time lying on his sofa with his tablet, and not nearly enough time in the real world with her. There were days when she thought that, quite frankly, he might as well still be a frog, because when she tried to speak to him, he just stared at her blankly and said, Croak, before going back to his game. When it came to picking a summer holiday, Bertie was happy to leave that to Beatrice. This is where I want to go, she said, and handed him a brochure. It was painted on thick paper, almost like card, and the colours were all slightly faded. Its title in Gothic letters announced, The Land That Time Forgot. Bertie turned the pages. There were pictures of horse-drawn carts, penny-farthing bicycles, fat policemen, steam trains, and people wearing flancy hats and plus-four trousers. Is this some sort of time travel? asked Bertie, who was willing to believe that anything was possible. Not exactly, replied Beatrice, but it's a bit like going back in time. It's a whole kingdom that has decided to return to old-fashioned ways. They've banned modern motor cars, mobile phones, game consoles and television and processed food and all the things that make life hectic and distracting and stressful. People go there to detox, you know, get all that stuff out of their systems, because quite frankly some people are addicted to their gadgets, games and gizmos. Bertie found the whole idea puzzling. And what would we do there? he asked. Well, instead of playing angry insects on your tablet, you could talk to me and go for romantic walks, said Beatrice. When Bertie saw his fiancée's determined expression, he knew that his fate was sealed and he had to make the best of things. He decided to surprise Beatrice by becoming a proper old-fashioned prince just for the holiday. He bought some shirts with cufflinks and collars that you fasten on with studs. He found a blazer with gold buttons and he grew a moustache which he waxed so that it was all twirly. He soon looked like a proper chap. All cars made after 1970 were banned from the kingdom. But Bertie found a vintage motorbike in the garage that had belonged to his uncle. The mechanic got it working and polished it with wax so it was all shiny. When the day came to leave for their holiday, Beatrice sat behind Bertie. Their luggage was piled up in a sidecar. He gave the bike a kick start and the engine roared. They rode to the land that time forgot with plenty of shaking, spluttering and clattering, and Beatrice loved every minute of clinging to Bertie's waist and feeling at one with the world as it rushed by. 
When they reached the border post, the soldiers on guard searched through their luggage, searching for any legal modern gadgets. Luckily, they did not discover that Bertie had a mobile phone and charger sewn into the lining of his leather jacket. They drove over rugged mountains to the capital city. Once they were there, they bumped along cobbled streets, past iron railings, gateways guarded by statues of lions, houses built out of granite, through arches and across squares where golden fountains played. Sometimes the narrow way was blocked by a horse and cart. Almost everyone they saw wore a hat of some sort, as it was a holiday place. Straw boaters were popular. A beauty and health spa was tucked away inside the basement of the hotel. Beatrice booked herself in for a steam bath, followed by a massage, a facial and a manicure and pedicure. Her beauty pampering would take all morning. Bertie stayed up in their suite of rooms. He told Beatrice that he was going to read War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. But in fact, he did not manage more than a few pages before he started to think about the mobile phone he had smuggled across the border. He took out his nail scissors and carefully cut the lining of his motorbike jacket. He did not expect it to function as a phone while they were in the land that time forgot. But the electronic games were all working fine. Soon he was happily zapping space invaders. But oh dear, Beatrice returned sooner than expected. She had not enjoyed the treatment. The steam room was so cold you could catch a chill, and the masseur should have been an all-in wrestler. Beatrice was in a terrible mood. Bertie, what are you doing? Bertie looked up guiltily. Just phoning my aunt, aunt Gertrude to see how she is? He lied. No, you're not. You're playing games. Beatrice accused him angrily. I'm confiscating that. And she snatched the phone off him and put it in her silk purse. Bertie tried not to sulk as they descended in the lift, but it was hard. He brightened up when a butler approached him with a letter on a tray. I was just bringing this to your room, sir, he said. Bertie could see that it was sealed with red wax. He sat down with Beatrice on an ottoman sofa and opened the envelope with a silver letter knife. Inside was a letter addressed to their royal highnesses, Prince Bertie and Princess Beatrice, inviting them to lunch at the King's Palace. How did the King know we were here? asked Bertie. We are booked into the hotel under false names. Well, I told him we were coming, said Beatrice. He's my uncle. You kept that quiet, said Bertie. I thought you might not approve, said Beatrice, blushing. You don't mean he's the brother of the wicked queen. Well, you know, all royalty is one big family, and he's really very nice, said Beatrice. Hmm, I would not call somebody who stops you using a mobile phone nice, said Bertie. And then it was Beatrice's turn to sulk. They both had to cheer up in time for lunch at the palace. Beatrice's uncle Ferdinand wore a white uniform emblazoned with medals and had a neat grey beard so that he looked a little bit like the last Tsar of Russia. The meal was served on the terrace 
overlooking the river, and they watched steamboats and pleasure cruisers sailing past. Beatrice praised the food. It's such a joy to eat tomatoes, which really taste like tomatoes, and new potatoes that are bursting with flavour. Everything from the supermarket at home is so bland and samey. She gushed. Their host was clearly delighted by her remarks. This breed of potato is named in my honour. He boasted, "They are called King Ferdinands, and it will be my pleasure to decree that the tomatoes will be named after my darling niece. From henceforth, they shall be called Princess Beatrice's." Beatrice was delighted with the compliment from her uncle. Bertie asked Ferdinand why he had decided to turn his kingdom into the land that time forgot. "I thought it was good marketing," he replied. These days, small kingdoms have to differentiate themselves; otherwise, they just get overshadowed by bigger and flashier holiday destinations. You mean it was a business decision? Asked Beatrice, disappointed. I thought it was more because you were into traditional values and conserving the past. Oh no, I'm no fuddy-duddy. Just scratch the surface, and you'll find a very modern kingdom," said Ferdinand. It all looks old-fashioned, but underneath, this is the most technologically advanced theme park in the world. It is," said Bertie, surprised. "Oh yes, rather," said Ferdinand. "Have you seen the changing of the guard? All the soldiers are computer-generated in three D. It's the cheapest army to run in the whole world. We don't have to pay for a single tin of boot polish." "Wow," said Bertie. Even Beatrice was impressed. It turned out that all the works of art in the gallery were also electronic fakes, and that the steam trains and even some of the horse-drawn carriages were all operated by a sophisticated computer system. Many of the buildings were actually built with virtual reality blocks and then projected onto screens, but they looked so real you could never tell unless you tried to walk into them. And as for the real-tasting tomatoes and potatoes, they were all developed in the laboratory. And the roast beef was made out of genetically modified soya beans. Bertie enjoyed the dessert because it was a light, fluffy, and bright and luminous concoction that tasted of strawberries, and was made from a packet of powder and whipped up with condensed milk. As they thanked the host, the king asked an awkward question. By the way, how's my sister? He meant, of course, the wicked queen. Bertie blushed slightly and said, "Oh, oh, we don't talk to her much now. She's a frog, you know, and lives in the pond." I heard," said Ferdinand darkly. "That wasn't very nice of you, Bertie. Was it to go turning your future mother-in-law into a piece of pond life?" "I did no such thing," said Bertie. "I'm not a magician. First she turned me into a frog, and then when I became human again, she turned herself into one by accident." And serve her right too for being so wicked. Be that as it may or may not be true," said Ferdinand. "It has come to my attention that you have broken the laws of our kingdom by smuggling a mobile phone across the frontier," said Ferdinand. And when Bertie heard these words, he felt a sense of foreboding, as if he'd walked into a trap. He glanced at Beatrice. She bit her lip. The king ordered Bertie to empty his pockets. The king ordered Bertie to empty his pockets, and when that did not turn up, 
the illegal phone, he told the guards to search him. Bertie thought what a good thing it was that Beatrice had confiscated his phone. But, oh no, just then there was a loud... Bertie's phone was ringing in Beatrice's handbag. Excuse me, said Beatrice, cool as cucumber. She opened her bag and answered it. It was a sales agent who was giving a courtesy call to see if Bertie wanted a better deal on his palace's insurance policy. Uh, he's not here right now, said Beatrice and hung up. Guards, arrest the princess, ordered the king. And two soldiers came up and placed strong hands around her arms. No, don't arrest her, arrest me, it's my phone, protested Bertie. But King Ferdinand laughed and said, That was my plan, Bertie, but now I see it is better to detain the princess. If you want her back, you'll have to restore my sister to her former glory. But I've no idea how to do that, said Bertie. She's stuck as a frog for a few years at least. You'll find a way, said Ferdinand. My soldiers will escort you to the border. Go back home and unfrog her, or you will never marry your darling lovey-dovey princess. Bertie, don't do it, called out Beatrice. She's too wicked. The world is far better off with her on the pond. I don't think I could even if I wanted to, said Bertie, crestfallen. A day and a half later, Bertie returned home, alone, glum, very angry. He had to rescue Beatrice, but short of declaring war on the land that time forgot, how could he force Ferdinand to release her? He was so down, he did not even want to play computer games. His cyber friend, Prince Sven, was challenging him to a round of space dragons. He had never actually met Prince Sven, but they played games online together. He tried to ignore Sven, but his phone kept on buzzing with messages. Eventually, Bertie opened up his chat app and wrote, Can't play today. Fiancé got arrested while we were on holiday. Trying to sort it out. Might have to declare war. Cool, messaged Sven back. Have you tried cyber war? No time for games right now, replied Bertie. I mean cyber war for real, wrote Sven. I'll get hacking right away. The first indication that all was not right in the land that time forgot. The first indication that all was not right in the land that time forgot. The first indication that all was not right in the land that time forgot came when diners at the hotel started sending their food back to the kitchen. They complained that the King Ferdinand potatoes smelled like rotten cabbages and the chocolate pudding tasted of beetroot. Then visitors to the art gallery no longer found French Impressionist paintings on the walls but action comic strips about superheroes. The ballet was taken over by hip-hop dancers. The soldiers outside the palace, instead of changing the guard, linked arms and did the French can-can. A horse and cart puffed out stinky purple exhaust fumes. Rococo palaces turned into glass and concrete skyscrapers. One building took off like a rocket and whizzed around the sky like some sort of berserk firework. The traffic lights went crazy and traffic jams and vintage cars clogged up the cobbled streets. Police sirens were wailing everywhere. 
the once tranquil capital city was soon a loud, smelly and congested urban nightmare. King Ferdinand was on his mobile phone trying to get through to technical support. All the lines were engaged and he was listening to bland elevator music, getting more and more furious by the minute. Eventually he reached his chief technical officer who gasped, "'Sorry, sir, we are under attack.' "'What sort of attack?' asked the king desperately. "'Cyber attack, sir. "'As soon as we close one gap in our firewall, other ones open. "'They just keep coming and coming at us. "'We are doing everything we can, but this is a massive offensive against us. "'It's all-out war, sir.' "'Ferdinand was on the balcony of his room. "'He was so shocked that it took him a minute or so to notice "'that an army of giant frogs was hopping across the forecourt "'and invading the palace.' The croaking was deafening. It was terrifying. The windows of the palace were rattling. Ferdinand's hands were trembling. Ambassadors and foreign ministers were constantly calling. Overseas governments were flying in planes to evacuate tourists. Worse still, holiday agents were cancelling bookings and demanding their money back. Then suddenly... Just as the cyber frogs were bursting through the front door of the palace and guards were running for their lives, the attack stopped. All the virtual attackers disappeared. Glass and concrete turned back to stone. Hip-hop dancers were ballerinas once again. And joy of joys, the puddings tasted of chocolate. <coughs> Ferdinand's mobile phone rang. Hi there, it's Bertie, said a familiar. And to the king, rather annoying voice, Do you give up, or shall we resume the cyber attack? What do you want? asked the king. Just my fiancé back, please, said Bertie. Because there is one thing in this world that is real, and can never be recreated in virtual reality, and that is love. And that was the story of Prince Bertie and the land that time forgot. And Bertie's asked me to say that this autumn we're planning to keep the Bertie and Katie stories coming thick and fast because we know that you love them. So see you soon on StoryNori.com. For now, from me, Natasha... Bye-bye.